0: This is the Prepare to Flourish podcast. I'm Estelle Curry, founder of at Life Coaching and co-host.
1: And I'm Kristen Struess, communication professional, program manager, and co-host. We were moved to develop this series because of the sheer volume of people who lost their jobs during the pandemic. Our goal is to provide you with
0: the tools, resources, and support to get you back to work. Each week, we'll be speaking with a special guest, an expert in their field, who will share their top tips, We hope you'll join us for this limited podcast and blog series.
1: Welcome to the fourth episode of the Prepare to Flourish podcast series. In this episode, we're going to talk about your resume and cover letter. We will discuss the key components of a resume and cover letter, the top mistakes job seekers make when applying to jobs, and how to tailor your skills and accomplishments for the individual job posting. The accompanying blog is in the blog section of floriscitlifecoaching.com, and the link is also in the show notes. Our guest today is Dionne
0: Gray, certified professional resume writer and communications professional. She's worked for a number of well-known international brands to support their employee communications. Dion, welcome. We're delighted to have you on Prepare to Flourish, and we're really looking forward to this conversation. We've got lots of burning questions all about resumes. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. It's so good to be here. You have burning questions and hopefully I'll have cooling answers to to quench (laughs) those flames of questions. It's really great to be here. Thank you so much. Why don't we dive straight in and tell us more about the work that you do with Job Seekers. Typically, people come to me when they're in need of polishing their resume or potentially starting a resume from scratch. Or they might need someone to take a look at their resume and and let them know if there are any improvements that need to be had. Nine times out of 10, there's usually a need to update the resume because there's some common mistakes that people tend to make in resumes. And we can get into that later on. And what is it that led you to this line of work? Back in the day, I used to interview a lot of people and people would come to me with resumes that didn't really tell their story. And it was only during the interviews I would realize that, oh, this person has way more accomplishments than what I originally thought. Added to that, I am a writer by, by trade. I do a lot of writing and I'm also a graphic designer. So I'm very much into things looking attractive and presentable. And I had a couple friends who had asked me to help them rewrite their resumes. And I found out that I had a knack for it. Not only did I write really well, but I also was able to make them look, make their resumes look attractive. And so that led me into working on more resumes through word of mouth. And now I think it's driven really by a passion to help people tell their career story, to be able to find jobs that they're passionate about and careers that they absolutely love. So that's what's driving me to do resume work now.
0: So you really do have. A magnificent blend of skills to help people really polish their resumes and have noticed by employers. So similar to you I well I worked in human resources and I've done thousands and thousands of interviews and just like you so often I'd have somebody in front of me and and through the course of the conversation you find out that they've done all these magnificent things I'm like why is this not on your resume? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's really great that there's people out there like you to help them. The people who got in front of me were the lucky ones. They still got called to interview. But there are many people out there who don't make it to interview stage because they're not sharing this information.
2: That is so true. And I I realize that it's often very simple mistakes, simple things. Nine times out of 10, I have a client who just needs a little bit of embellishment, just needs a little bit push over the edge to get their resume into the place where it's going to be recognized by recruiters and by hiring managers. So you're onto something there.
1: So Dion, are you seeing an increase in people coming to you to pivot or change jobs because of the result of the pandemic?
2: Oh yes, for sure. I would say that because of the pandemic, and there are a number of things. One is that a lot of people are getting laid off. Their companies are not able to keep them on anymore. And so they are looking for a new position. The other thing that I felt that I've seen is that, you know, when you're in lockdown, you have a lot more time to think, right? You have a lot more time to think about, is this really the job that I want to do? Maybe I should be doing something else. And so I have a lot of job seekers come to me and say, I've had this job for X number of years. I'm not happy doing it. I want to pivot. I want to change. I want to find a completely different career. But completely different in the sense that I have these skills that are transferable, that can be applied in in another industry or a type of role. And they come to me and say, I need your help. I want to be able to apply for a job. I want to be able to pivot or I've been laid off. And I want to make sure that my resume is updated and that when the right job comes along, I'll be ready to apply for it. So
0: I'm really curious, what is it that you do as a resume writer? that we may not do ourselves when we're writing our resumes at home?
2: So there's a few things. One is that because I have a background in in writing and communication, I can help someone tell a story as succinctly as possible, but using the most impactful words as possible. I have a brain that's kind of like a dictionary. So I know maybe five words for one word. And so I try to find the most impactful words. I'm also a storyteller. I love telling stories and I can sometimes really get in there. So I have a way of also capturing the audience's attention. Another thing that I can do that most people can't do is that I am really good at proofreading, catching spelling errors. In in fact, sometimes I even fact check my clients' resumes. I can't tell you how many times I've had a client say, I have a Bachelor of Science in XYZ. And I go to the university website and realize that it was actually a Bachelor of Arts. And so sometimes I find those little errors and I can change it. You know, people sometimes don't pay attention to those things, but I have a strong attention to detail. I also know what it takes to tell a compelling story using a specific formula that you um, that you can use to describe an accomplishment. And that's not something that's easily known that's something that I help my my clients with. And I also know how to make sure that I'm using space correctly. Resumes should take up a certain amount of space. And I'm making sure that I'm using every bit of real estate on that resume to tell the most impactful story.
0: You mentioned so many things there, but the one thing that's ringing in my mind, being able to tell that succinct story, because you've only got a few moments notice, um, whether it's, on your resume or in an interview and being able to get across the critical information in such a short space of time is the difference between being called for an interview or not.
2: That is true Estelle And in fact I was reading that on average a recruiter or someone who's reading a resume spends about 10 seconds before they decide if they want to read your resume any further so it's really critical that you get their attention really early, sooner rather than later, and make sure that the attention grabbing sentences are at the top, and that makes that person just want to read more because you don't have a lot of time. If you think about it, for example, if you're a recruiter, you're probably seeing hundreds of resumes for one particular job. So you have to make sure that you're doing everything you can to stand out. Absolutely, and I I had a flashback today
0: of my time in recruitment, when I'd have three piles, yes, no, maybe, (laughs) <laughs> and literally the front page is what gets you into the yes or the no pile um, and then it kind of divvies out after that but it really is seconds of yeah okay i want to read more of that i'll do that later this is a definite no and um, so that's why it's so critical to have that information
1: so Dion, you you brought up some good points about things that we can do to be more succinct to tell a story well I've been reading a lot as somebody who's been delaying going back to work, that I've seen a lot of different advice from coaches and recruiters and hiring managers about what you should or shouldn't do in your resume. So what advice do you have for people out there when they're searching for answers, but you keep getting conflicting information from different sources?
2: I think that it's kind of like what you would do with any research that you're doing. You look for consistency and you look for trends. How many people are saying the same thing and what are the outliers that you probably heard once or twice? I think that's very key because even in, in my own research as a, as a professional resume writer, I do my own research. I'm always trying to stay abreast as to what's best in resume trends, what's best in, in, in terms of best practice for resumes. And I often find conflicting things too. And I have to sit and wonder, well, does this really make sense? But what I have found over time as I continue to read is that you tend to see some of the same things getting repeated over and over. For example, the number of pages. You'll never hear someone say that a resume should be six pages. You'll never hear someone say that you should use comic Sans fonts or flowers or clip art all over your resume. There's certain things to remain consistent that can really help you to discern whether or not this person knows what they're talking about. The other thing to think about is, is the coach or the recruiter or the hiring manager speaking from a space of a specific industry? So, for example, you'll find people in tech startups or people in more modern companies tend to have different viewpoints and perspectives on how resumes should be, whereas people who come from very corporate traditional backgrounds have a completely different viewpoint. So that's something to keep in mind as well. When you're listening to advice, think about what type of job you're applying for and just look for the consistency in messaging.
1: So that's a, a good point that you bring up that for the for the case for a lot of our our listeners, that the advice that you get is going to depend on your circumstances. That like you said, if you're going for a position with a law firm, Speak to a recruiter who's in a a law firm who can be able to help give you some advice or or focus your research on what that industry might need instead of, like you said, what a startup is going to be looking for
2: smart people who can do those jobs. And I think also to think about, too, from that perspective is the fact that you're also speaking, you're also thinking about, well, at what stage am I in my career? Am I an intern? am I a junior professional or am I somebody who's a C-suite executive who's looking for a specific type of job? That also plays a part in the type of advice that you'll hear and in in terms of the type of feedback that you'll get about your resume as well and how you should apply for jobs. That, That completely changes the game also. So in your experience, what are the key mistakes that you help people with? The major, major mistake is that when someone talks about the jobs that they've had, they only list the responsibilities that they've had, but they fail to list the impact that they've made in that particular job. And what I mean by that is, which is fine, you're supposed to list, you know, of course, when I was in this particular role, these are the responsibilities I had. That's important because you need to be able to set context behind your skills and abilities. But remember that you're applying with maybe 300 other people who all know how to do the same thing. So the recruiter wants to know, how are you different? And an example I always give my clients is, let's say I'm looking for someone who can wash dishes. Now, washing dishes, apart from a mechanical dishwasher, it's a very simple, easy task. You soap the sponge, you pick up the the, the dish that you're going to wash and you move the sponge around a few times and then you rinse it. Now that sounds like an easy task, but if I'm looking to hire someone who can wash dishes really well, I wanna hear how many dishes have you not broken in the process of washing dishes? Maybe you've used the best type of soap. There's some sort of eco-friendly soap that allows you to not only save the planet, but cuts grease much faster. So you've sped up your time taken to wash dishes or you can wash five forks in one second. We wanna hear accomplishments. And that's what makes you stand out. That's, that's the part that makes you different. And that's what your career story is about. How do you show impact? And that's always the key thing I find in resumes that, that, that people send to me for review.
0: One of the key things I think people have difficulty with is showing that impact. If you work in a sales environment, for example, it's really quite easy to show and to quantify your results. But for a lot of other jobs, it's a little bit more difficult So I'd really love to hear if you have an example of how even you found it hard to quantify somebody's impact. How did you go about finding it?
2: Yes, it's always difficult, like you said, Estelle, when you don't work in a job where you have numbers, right, to show things, whether it's sales or data or something like that. And in someone in a field like mine, for example, I'm a communications professional. And so my job is really just to communicate, right? So how do I really prove to people that I can really communicate well? So there are a number of ways that you can go about that. When I work with my clients, I give them a list of questions to brainstorm about impact that they've made. So for example, a question might be, did you meet an impossible deadline through an extra effort? Or maybe the question is, did you pick up some extra responsibility outside of your job that wasn't required? And what did you do? Maybe you identified a problem and you fixed it. Maybe you improved a process. Those are things that are, that are not necessarily tangible in terms of measurement, but they do show your ability to be a strong key player on, on your firm, to bring value to the company. Sometimes it might be conceiving new ideas. Sometimes it might be assuming new responsibilities, or maybe it could be coming up with a new idea for communication, which is sometimes what I've done. I'll say, what about if we did this? Or what about if we took this communications channel that we've always used and turn it around and use it for something else? So there are lots of ways in which you not, might not normally think of off the top of your head that you can show that you brought impact to a role.
0: Okay, so let me just make sure that I'm clear on this. So showing your impact isn't always about figures because we're always reading that, aren't we? You know, show your figures, quantify X, Y and Z. But it's really more about showing your initiative, showing the the positive changes that you've made within your role. And even if that means that you can't actually put a figure to it, what you can do is talk about the impact it has had on you and your team.
2: That is correct. And the way I look at it is like this. No matter where you are, whatever job you have, there are problems. Problems are all around us. If you've solved a problem for your company, you've made an impact. And I want to hear about how you've solved that problem. As simple as it might be for you, people want to hire problem solvers. They want to hire people who can not only get the job done, but move obstacles out of the way to make sure that everyone is successful. So you're right.
1: When I think back to how I did my resume when I was first out of college, at the start, it was just listing responsibilities of what I did so that way I could get to that next job to say, yes, I did do social media or I did do customer service in the job. And now it's interesting to see that there is much more of an emphasis about the value to the company and it's how it's changed that you can show all the great things that you've done, but you need to show contextually to that recruiter to that hiring manager that I can solve problems. I can bring value to you. It's about you. You company are my client and I'm trying to sell you to do the service for you. So I, I think that's a really good point to emphasize that it's, it's about the value yeah. to the company and what it means to them now, not just about you as, as the job seeker.
2: That's correct. Really about bringing value to your, to your employer. Um, if you think about if you're buying something, you want to buy clothes or you want to buy shoes. You're going to buy the thing that brings you the most value, right? Whether it's sentimental value or whether it's some sort of functional value, it's the same thing. You're you're someone who's meeting a client's need. And in this, in this case, your client is your employer. So it's the same thing. So something I've been seeing a lot more of in the job space over the past several years
1: is that companies are using something called an application tracking system oftentimes called an ATS, to collect and score resumes to compare them against the job description. So what are your suggestions when trying to create a resume that can make it through an ATS, but still be easy to read?
2: So there's a couple things. One is that when I design a client's resume, I'm using basic word processing software. I'm using Microsoft Word. I'm not using any fancy design software. The second thing I make sure to do is avoid having columns or tables because that also tends to throw off the system as well so you tend to want to try to make it as as a typical word processing document reading from left to right where i come in in terms of making things look a little bit attractive might be just to add maybe a couple icons at the top maybe some colored bullets maybe um some a little bit of color throughout the document but beyond that it's really about the layout, making sure that your spacing is correct, your margins are correct, your fonts are, are, are consistent throughout the document. You'd be surprised at, at how, how those little things really help to beef up the look and feel of your resume. So in terms of the application tracking system, there, there are different ways in which you can make sure that it gets through that particular process. I, I call it the ATS for short. So one is making sure that you have a headline. Let's say, like, you, my name is Dion Gray, and I'm applying for a, a job, a, a resume writing job. Right below my name, I'm going to have certified professional resume writer. So that particular title or heading lines up with the job that I'm applying for. The next thing I want to do is I want to make sure that when I read the job description or the job vacancy, that I identify commonly occurring words or phrases or required skills that must show up in that resume, that must be addressed in, in that particular in, in my particular resume that I'm working on. And I want to make sure that those words are incorporated either in what I call the core competencies section or in describing my accomplishments or even in listing my computer skills if the job is requiring technology skills. Now, there's a number of other things that you can do. Some people say, do your resume, do your entire resume over from beginning to end for every single job that you're applying for. And then there are people who are busy and have lives and don't necessarily have the time to do all of that. And so there's a happy balance that you can do where you update the headline, you update their core competencies and maybe consider moving your accomplishments around so that the most important ones make it to the top as opposed to the bottom. Now, I've also heard that... This is, you know, going back to your, your comment, Kristen, about conflicting information out there. I've heard some people say that ATSs or applicant tracking systems, sometimes they're no humans. They just kind of like they, they, they read the resume and then it just gets dumped and no human has actually ever seen it. And I've spoken to actually a few, a few recruiters who say even if resumes are coming through, they still look at it at some point there is still a human being at one point or another looking at your resume and and making sure that it meets a specific criteria for the job. So keep that in mind. Don't despair. We're not in the case yet where it's just machines doing all of this work. There are still humans involved who will be reading your resume and and looking for that specific information.
1: Dion, you, you mentioned about the... The, in your resume about adding your title and using common words found throughout the, um, the job description that you can also put in your resume. So how much tailoring
2: should you be doing of your resume when you're applying for a particular job? So I would say it really depends on how much time you have, right? So like I was mentioning earlier, there are some people who will read through line by line every single aspect of that job can see and then go back to their resume and try to match up as much as possible. So for example, if the job description says that you need to be able to do X, Y, and Z, you go back to your resume and you maybe change the accomplishments and you change out your job responsibilities to say that I did X, Y, and Z. That is probably the most time consuming, but probably the most effective way of tailoring your resume. For those of us who don't have time, because life, right, there there are easier ways to do that. One is looking at the core competencies section. So the core competencies section of your resume typically falls right after your career summary statement. And that's usually a list of what I would call keywords, things that you know how to do, like project management, budget management process improvement. Maybe you know how to do content development. Maybe you know how to do creative strategy, digital digital communication strategy, uh, civil engineering, etc. You want to make sure that those words or those areas of competency match the keywords or the job description that you're looking for. Another thing that you might want to consider doing is rearranging your accomplishments. So let's say you've had five accomplishments listed on a specific, under a specific role, but accomplishment number five to you is not that big of a deal. But in this particular job that you're applying for, it's actually the thing they're looking for. So you might want to move that accomplishment to the top of the of, of that particular list of accomplishments. So that way you can make sure that it is being pulled and it's being seen by the right people.
1: So we've covered a lot of information about resumes. And this has been really helpful in order to give our our listeners some more information. So we've talked about the resume. Now there's certainly another part of the application process, the cover letter. And in some application systems, you may not have to produce a cover letter. So what's recommended? I'll open this up to Estelle and to Dion. Cover letter
2: or not? Is it a thumbs up or thumbs down (laughs) for cover letter? I think it's always good to be ready. I always say, just be prepared. Just have a cover letter ready and keep it handy just in case. Now there are times, and and Estelle, you can jump in too, but I feel like there are times when your resume is so strong and it's so perfect for their role that you might think, you know what? I'm just going to include the resume alone and not include a cover letter. But then there are other times when you might say, you know what? I may not have necessarily all of the skills that they're looking for, So I'm going to include a cover letter that provides more context or background behind why I'm a perfect fit for this job. The cover letter can also be used if you want to explain maybe gaps in your career history, maybe explain some sort of extenuating circumstance. And a cover letter can also just be used if you want to just be more personal and be more personable and talk about how much you admire the company. Now that is if you really admire the company. This is not any kind of brown nosing or anything. But if you really admire the company and you wanna talk a little bit about that, that's also when a cover letter should be used. So I always say, just keep it handy. You never know when you're gonna need it. Estelle, what about you? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I would echo that. I think the key rule is if you're asked for a cover letter, always, always, always provide one. I would also say that if they're asking for a cover letter, make sure that that cover letter is tailored. I would say that if they're asking for a cover letter, they're interested in it. And if they're interested in it, you better make sure that what you're giving them is something that is tailored and well thought out rather than something generic that you've copied from the internet.
2: Yes, perfect. I I totally agree with that.
0: So you mentioned gaps in the resume, Dion, and... It's something that I wanted to talk to you about because right now we're going to have a huge amount of people with gaps in their resume because of this pandemic, whether it's primary caregivers who gave up their jobs to look after their children or it's people who have been laid off or furloughed for a long time. And I've seen recently that people are giving advice to the primary caregiver groups so to the group of people who had to, give up their jobs to homeschool or or care for their children when the schools and daycares had closed down, to actually put that time in their lives into their resume as if it was a paid job. So, for example, stay-at-home mum and teacher, duties included, X, Y, and Z, key achievements were blah, 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 blah. Um, And I'd really love to get your thoughts on that.
2: I think that's actually very creative. You know, I I, I think that depending on the audience, of course, that's a very creative way to explain what you've been doing. Because the reality is that being a full-time at-home parent does require a lot of skill, a lot of time management, a lot of negotiation. You know, I see a lot of heads nodding. It does require a lot of effort. And so I think it really depends on the type of role that she's applying for. If, for example, she maybe were applying for a more traditional corporate role, I might not have spelled it out that way. But I think it's completely fine in today's climate. People understand recruiters are humans, right? And so they understand that, yes, you're probably going to have gaps in your resume. And it's not to any fault of your own. There was a pandemic, for crying out loud. So I would also say, trust that people are are thoughtful about the extenuating circumstances that are happening these days and maybe just mention this was you know this was unfortunately a time when i was laid off because of the pandemic um if it's for a few months i i wouldn't worry too much about it if you've been away for a long period of time i've had a client for example who was away for a long period of time to care for a parent who was not well and she also had personal illness so uh, let's say her job ended in 2013 and then she took a break for about three years when I started the experience when I started writing about the experience that started in 2016 the first phrase of that sentence was after a brief hiatus to care for a loved one blah 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 and just kind of went on so there's there's no question in the recruiter's mind as to like well, where was she for three years backpacking through Europe? There's a reason and there's a rationale, but it doesn't go into much detail behind why this person was away. And I, and I thought that worked really well. And it did not give her any discomfort when she went in for interview. She was actually quite comfortable because no one asked about it. They were like, OK, this is life. This happens. And I think the more honest and transparent we are with ourselves is the more understanding people will be of who we are as well.
0: Right. And you bring up a valid point. We have all been through this pandemic we have all been impacted by it in some shape or form
2: exactly that's exactly right
1: so Dion, you you bring up a good point too about the individual when it comes to tailoring your cover letter and possibly addressing where you might have gaps if you needed to address about being laid off at a at a company how much of you authentically should be coming through in your cover letter what are your thoughts on that
2: I think it really goes back to the type of job you're applying for. So, for example, if you're in a, if you're probably in more creative roles and you're looking to be, you're looking to get into a role that is, or a company that is kind of laid back and creative, you can infuse a little bit of personality in there. Talk about maybe your hobbies, or maybe you've researched the recruiter and happened to realize that you, I don't know, like the same kind of ice cream or something like that. Right. So you might want to put that in there. But if you're going for a more traditional corporate role, I would not be as personal. Still use I pronouns like I'm passionate about this or I really love this. Avoid humor where possible because humor is different for different people. What some people may find funny, others may find offensive. So use that sparingly unless it's uh, some sort of a a really bland, well-known joke that people know about. But I would say avoid that. And just really try to tailor it to the the tone of the company, the company's corporate culture that you can find on their on their Internet, how they talk about themselves. Match that tone, in the cover letter. And, you know, don't, of course, get too personal where you're talking about things that could potentially cause discrimination based on age or race or anything like that. Try try to avoid those topics. But then also just talk about you as a person, as a professional, what you're passionate about and what you like doing. I think that'll be like a really happy medium for you there.
1: Finally, I'd like to know, what should you put in a cover letter? Is there a standard, these are the three things that you should be covering in a cover letter? Or is it is it something more or something less than that? Because in the past, I feel like cover letters were very big and you talked about how great you were and you, and you walked through every single job that you had. And now it goes back to the point about what's the value to the company. So what would be details that would show your value in a cover letter?
2: What I typically recommend people put in cover letters is, of course, talk about why you're applying for the role. Don't just tell me that I just want a job. (laughs) Why you're applying for the role could be, for example, that your particular skills really, really align well with the skills required for the job. So you think it'll be a great fit. Maybe you're applying for the role because you really value or appreciate or respect the company's brand or their service. It aligns with the things that you are passionate about. Maybe they have corporate values or a mission that aligns really well with yours. So that's something that you want to include. And it doesn't have to be this long story about once upon a time. Think simply like, I really admire this company's mission, to save children around the world from hunger, because I am passionate about that as well. And as a volunteer for XYZ company. So just keep it really short. Then you provide a brief summary about what you've been doing for the past few years, maybe in your most recent role. Here's what I've been doing. But when you talk about what you've been doing in your most recent role, describe the things that you've been doing that are specific to the job that you're applying for. For example, back to the dishwasher. Let's say I'm applying for a new dishwasher role. I don't want to talk about I was drying dishes because it's not relevant to this job that I'm applying for. So maybe I am drying dishes now, but it's not necessary. So I don't need to mention it. Then I would recommend including just a couple bullets from your resume, some of those accomplishment bullets, that is, that most directly are aligned with the job that you're applying for. So that way it's kind of like a, like a tease, like you're going to find out more about me In my full resume, but in this cover letter, here are a couple of things that I've done. You want to read more? Read more. End with an invitation to please let me know when you'll be available to to talk to tell you more about my professional or my educational background. Here's my contact information, way you can reach me, and I look forward to hearing from you. The end. Well, don't end with the end, but... (laughs) Maybe if you're a
1: children's storybook writer, you can write the end.
2: (laughs) True, true.
0: (laughs) To add to that, Dion, maybe I read things backwards, but when I'm recruiting for a role, I always read the resume first. And then I go to the cover letter because I want the juicy stuff first. Interesting. And then I want the cover letter to fill in the gaps. So if there's something that's not so obvious, I want the cover letter to address that. Or if there's some questions that the person applying is going to know that I'm going to have. So if they know, oh, they might worry about X, Y, and Z, that they address those in the cover letter. So then I go, oh, okay, I get it now.
2: That's a very interesting approach. I had never thought of that before, but that makes a whole lot of sense. And it's good to know.
0: I really liked what you said about the brand, particularly aligning values to it. There's three things that I always ask people to think about when they're applying for a job. So it's one, is the job itself. Can they do it? Can they do it comfortably? And is there room for them to grow? Number two, what is the brand of company that they want to work for? You know, what is it that is attracting them to that company specifically? And then thirdly, how does the culture or the perceived culture align with what you are going to be comfortable in and succeed in? So there are three things that people can address in their cover letters, as well as anything that might not seem obvious or kind of filling in the gaps that the resume doesn't, doesn't allow you to address.
2: Yes, I like that.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So outside of resumes and cover letters, are there any other tools that people have at their disposal to support their job applications? You know, social media. I'm also thinking about people in different industries. Um, So if you're like yourself, you're working in a creative environment, what do they need to do that might be different from somebody in academia, for example?
2: I would say if you're someone who is in the creative space and you're applying for a creative role, try as much as possible to have a website, some sort of online portfolio where people can see samples of your work because they're going to ask for it anyway. That's the thing about creativity, about creative work. People want to know that your creative aesthetic aligns with theirs. And there's really only one way to really show that. Try to have, whether it's a, a website. I had a client once who was a chef and he was, he wanted to be a private chef and he had this amazing Instagram account where he would just create these fabulous recipes and then take photographs of them and post them on his Instagram account. And his resume did not even include his Instagram profile, his Instagram handle. And so I had to say to him, you have to include this. This is your, your sales pitch. This is what people will see. I mean, who doesn't love warm looking bread just sitting beautifully on a counter? I'm going to call you because, it, you know, it, it's, it's just really good looking food. So it's always good to have some sort of an online presence. Of course, if you're in the social media space, you want to make sure that you have an active professional social media account, like whether it's Twitter or Instagram, obviously you want to keep, you know, keep your private stuff and your private views and your private profiles you know hidden. But if you're, if, if you're in the social media space, consider providing links to your Twitter account, to make sure that it's all cleaned up. And of course there's, there's always LinkedIn. LinkedIn can be used for a variety of different things, whether it's through it's for networking, if you're in the thought leadership space and you want to have people recognize you as someone who knows a lot about your particular field, try to share posts, engage with others, write your own thoughts. If you want your resume to stay to one to two pages, you should probably only go back 10 to 15 years. So that's the first thing with your resume. With your LinkedIn profile, you have a little bit more leeway, especially if you have experience beyond 10 to 15 years. That's That's probably very noteworthy. So let's say, for example, 15 years ago, I worked for this fabulous company that's in the news these days. I want to be able to to name drop. So you have a little bit more freedom in terms of how many years you want to go back on your LinkedIn profile. So what you should do is make sure that your resume and your LinkedIn profile are telling a consistent story. You shouldn't see one job title on your LinkedIn profile and see a completely different job title on your resume. So you want to make sure that what's on your resume is, is, is consistent with what's on your LinkedIn profile. Once you describe the job title and of course, how long you were at the company for, I always recommend putting one or two significant accomplishments that capture what you did in that rule. But then there are other times when you may have a job title that's kind of clunky, like exactly what is... a chief construction expert? Like, what is that? So I might include a brief description to describe what that job is or what that role entails, provide some context behind it, and then follow that with one or two accomplishments, but not a whole lot because you want to grab people's attention as quickly as possible and be as concise and as impactful as possible.
1: You can connect with people that if somebody you want to connect with from a job from when you just came out of college 15 years ago, they may not remember you, but you remember them sort of and you want to get that connection and that they see that you worked for a particular baseball team or you worked for like you said that company that's now up and coming, you can still have that shared connection to say, hey, look, I did work for them and we worked maybe at the same time. And I find that connection has been really helpful when you take advantage of of connecting with other people through that the social media.
2: Exactly. That's, that's a great example that you've given there about, about leveraging your connections, leveraging your networks to be able to build even more connections and more networks. And, and LinkedIn is really the place that you can do that.
0: So Dion, what would be your final piece of advice for our listeners?
2: Final piece of advice would be to recognize that you have value to bring to any role. If you're passionate about what you do and if you're confident about what you do, people will see that and will want to be around you and will want to hire you. Just make sure that your resume is also telling that story as well
1: that's it for our show today we learned some excellent tips to use when updating our resume cover letter and social media profiles to make sure they're all in alignment and share the same message to recruiters and hiring managers plus the importance of showing off our accomplishments
0: special thanks to our guest Dion Gray a certified professional resume writer you can learn more about Dion and her resume writing services at DionGray.com.
1: This has been another episode of Prepare to Flourish. To learn more about our guests and the topics in the Prepare to Flourish series, visit Coaching.com. For the Prepare to Flourish series, I'm Kristen Struess.
0: And I'm Estelle Curry. What steps will you take this week to flourish? Thanks for listening.